0: Today we're going to find about a local organization which does a lot of good things for our community. It's the Windham Area Habitat for Humanity. And two members of the Board of Directors join us today. Peter Bakayoki, who's the President, and also Bill Briggs, who is the Construction Supervisor for Habitat for Humanity. Gentlemen, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. And Mr. President, Peter, tell me about the local Habitat for Humanity. And first off, how long has it been operational?
1: Well, Habitat... Wyndham and, and Wyndham has been going since uh, 1993 and it was the first several years we were just fundraising to get uh, the money to start our first house and we didn't start our first house till about five years in and we've been going since then and we just wrapped
2: up our 14th house in town
0: and Bill how did you first get involved?
2: I was here about uh, in those early years, probably probably around the time the first uh, began, maybe 1998 or in that period of time. Obviously you're lucky, you've been around for
0: <laughs> 20 years
2: or so. Yeah, I wasn't smart enough to quit I guess, but it's, I do really like it a lot, it's very uh, satisfying.
0: Peter, how many total active members do you have in our local chapter? We've got uh, 10 or 11 board members,
1: and we've got, gosh, hundreds of volunteers, folks from the from the university, so uh, students from Eastern and UConn, they both schools have a campus chapter, so we got a lot of volunteers from the schools and local churches and lots of other organizations.
0: Now, in your first answer, you said, get the money. Where does, quote, the money, unquote, come from? Well, the, the people that we're talking
1: to right now, it's we're really a locally driven uh, fundraising organization. We're, all, we're entirely volunteer-based, so it's um, just, we don't have any paid staff, and so we have some local funders, so Liberty Banks Foundation and the Austin Family Foundation have been very generous supporters, as well as People's United Community Foundation, but the bulk of our fundraising comes
0: from individual donors. And there's also another kind of contribution. The f- term sweat equity is often associated with the Habitat for Humanity. Bill, what exactly is sweat equity?
2: Well, it's mostly used in conjunction with what we expect from the owners who uh, we agree to build a house for. And, and so they have to uh, uh, provide so many hours. Uh, was it 200 feet or 50 250. Or? Yep. 250. And, and uh, typically they keep track of that time and that's some then have to be on the site; it could be in the office could be doing anything but they or, or family members or friends can also contribute at their time which uh, count towards their contribution
0: now Peter, who are the folks who get houses built for them by Habitat for Humanity? Well,
1: I'm glad you asked too, because there are a lot of misconceptions about what Habitat does too, and so Habitat is an organization that partners with local families. There's an application process, so the families have to meet certain income guidelines, they have to work in the area, they have to be willing to be able to do the sweat equity also, and. Um, So they go through an application process and then when we select the family, we start on the house and they put in their sweat equity. And when everything's done, the family gets a zero interest mortgage from Habitat. And that's what makes that kind of the Habitat model work too.
0: Is it always building a house from ground up or might you do a fixer upper for a person that's going to get one of these homes? Yeah, most
1: of our construction has been uh, original construction. We have had a couple of rehab jobs, but we try to do new construction to avoid some of the unknown kind of the minefield that you can get when you go into rehab an old house too.
0: Now, Bill, you being the construction supervisor, when it comes to the sweat equity, there are some people, uh, I would be one, who once it gets beyond (laughs) turning a screwdriver, they're kind of hopeless or helpless when it comes to building stuff. What do you do for people like that who really might be a liability around a project like that?
2: Well, there aren't too many people that are, are, would be a liability, but there are people who don't have much experience. And, and we really do find a place for almost everyone. During the, uh, it does, uh, Particularly, I've had people come week after week after week, who, and, and really the fact that we have some kind of history with them really uh, is a big factor, and they're being useful, and you know, they are useful. Uh, so, I'm pleased to see anyone actually. I got to think. Even, of, even you, yeah.
0: Well, there is hope for me. <laughs> I got to think, too, that in some cases, if you do get some of those people who really don't know much about actual construction or building, it's a learning process for them. And maybe down the road, they'll be able to fix a thing or two around the house they wouldn't have been able to do before the project began.
2: Yes, it certainly is a benefit to them. And they may, you know, they have some exposure to what goes on in the construction of the house and what follows what and how things go together. So.
0: So, how does it work with the volunteers? What do the actual volunteers do in the building of a house?
2: Uh, I do almost everything. I mean, there are some affiliates. Uh, well, most affiliates uh, hire out a lot more of the construction than we do. We do, we do almost everything. Uh, we don't do the. We have someone do the foundation. Dougie Cates does the foundation, and we have different people who. Uh, contribute uh, Ed Pelletier of datum engineering and the whole list of uh, of tradespeople but they're just everyday volunteers who really uh uh, we do all the framing, build the walls, uh, put in the windows the roofs'd uh almost everything some
0: what 's your background Are you a Tim the toolman tailor kind of guy uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope not <laughs> exactly but i do i 've been in the construction and built uh business for thirty five years and uh, so that 's uh my as as from my history that 's why I love it do was I love to build things so that 's Peter, it's one thing when you
0: give a volunteer a hammer and nails and they start uh, banging those things in, but when you're not dealing with things like instru- installing electricity and things like that, you've got to have some professional contractors involved in these projects too, don't you?
1: yeah especially when it comes to heating and plumbing and electrical we've got very generous supporters from the local community steve Minicucci from Ben Franklin plumbing t- really helps with a lot of our plumbing gosh Tim Ackert and Randy Godare help with electrical that's who else I know there's, uh, there's oh,
2: I'm, I'm Marty Clark as the crane operator um, I don't know. There's a I, I, yeah. There's a, and so there are certain things that we
1: go to. You know, we will get the experts to do. And for most of them, it's really just a matter of they they donate all their time and and we couldn't we really couldn't do it without
2: them. And also we support those guys as much as we can. You know, with uh, Stephen Acucci, we you know we help them with the plumbing stuff whenever we can. This art level, uh, and electricians, we pull the wires for and we help. In any way we can support them.
0: Do you build 12 months of the year? Like, with there a project going on now, or do you, are you kind of fair weather friends?
2: No, we we, go, we started this, 199 Ivan Hill, we uh, started that. I started framing in December. Uh, I remember starting a couple mornings with 18 degrees, which I would just as soon not do that again, <laughs> to be honest. but uh, A little colder last
0: January than it is this January. Yes. so far anyway, too. I know. Peter, give me an idea of the scope, the size of these homes that you build. What would be the example of a of a smaller house, and then maybe what's the biggest house you've built? Gosh, that's a good question. It's
1: um, and Bill would probably be able to help with this a little bit more too. We tri- we typically try to have a house that fits the needs of the families, and so we've had three of our families have children who are. Uh, profoundly disabled or wheelchair-bound. And so we've had to make adjustments to the homes to make them accessible to their kids and which requires lots of different steps too. But our typical home is a two to three bedroom home and uh, usually about 1,000 to 1,200 square feet. So it's a medium-sized home, big enough to meet the needs of the family, but simple enough that it's easy for them to take care of.
2: This one house we've built, uh, it's a two-story house, we built it seven times. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of bang for the buck and its it, it, it has evolved over the years. Uh, uh, the first one was on Lafayette Street and the last one was on Ivan Hill Street. So, you know, and, and you it, said one house, a so fl- you well, a one, fl- one, fl- one house plan, yeah. Yeah. one basic design. <laughs> not, yes, i are not like moving a house <laughs> it around. Did, it it yeah, didn't okay. fall <laughs> down. We did it, build it again. No, <laughs> right. uh, it was the same plan. But <laughs>
0: blew away in a tornado and landed in Oz. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's <laughs> do it again yeah. uh... So that's been interesting. I thought.
0: Would you ever do two projects at once, or is it a one to- one house at a time kind of deal?
2: When we were working on Lafayette Street, we had three lots right together. We had two lots going to get. One was the Sponsored by Yukon. Uh, one was sponsored by uh, Pratt and Whitney. The other one was sponsored by uh, uh, Collection a, a, a of the a collection local churches. of Searches, and uh, that we can do that as long, if we have the money, if we have the manpower to, to s- supervise. I was running back and forth between one house and the other, which was it worked out fairly well actually, but.
0: Well, we've used that M-word, money, a couple times this morning. (laughs) Peter, if people get inspired by the good things that Wyndham Area Habitat for Humanity is doing, how can they support it with the M-word?
1: Yeah, there are, bu- there are several different ways. Probably the, the most direct way is to go to our website, which is WyndhamHabitat.org, and there's a donation link right there too. Or they could they could mail uh, checks to us as well. We're at Post Office Box 214 here in Willimantic. So, or they could uh, stop by our office at 872 Main Street. We're in with the uh, Windham Regional. Uh, Community, oh, I forgot, WRCC. I forget what the, all the letters stand for.
0: When the Region Community Council. Thank you.
1: i was <laughs> sure you would know what it was. Uh, and sorry, Jeff, for not remembering the, the full name.
0: So, Mr. Construction Supervisor, talk me through the process. You decide where the property is going to be. You get your volunteers out there, and what are some of the things they do to get the process started?
2: Well, if there are trees that need to be cut, then we take those down and get rid of those one way or another. One way or another, Uh, then uh, the foundation goes in, and uh, then we get ready to pour the concrete floor. Have to put stone down inside the and put the drains in, and get ready to pour the floor. Uh, We actually pour the concrete floor ourselves uh, most of the times. Bud Myers helped us with one time and other people, but um, then after the floor is in, we begin the framing and windows and. Roof and all that kind of stuff.
0: When does the future occupant of that property start to get involved? Right from the time of clearing the lot of trees and so forth.
2: Pretty much as soon as there's anything to be done on the uh, on the on the project, uh, we invite the the owner to come and participate. Uh, Depending if we, we sometimes we've got a little ways into the house before we actually had a an owner selected. So. But as soon as they're selected and as soon as something for them to do, then we have them come in and uh, do what they can.
0: Would the future owner of that house also be climbing around helping the roof construction?
2: Some cases yes and some cases no. Some people are, are comfortable on roofs and some are not. And I wouldn't uh, encourage anyone to go up there who is not uh, completely comfortable on a roof. So.
0: And what's the atmosphere like? You've been involved in construction for a while, Bill, and I'm guessing that the construction with all these volunteers with a habitat home might have a little different feeling to it than normal construction would.
2: Well, it's different because you have to give a lot of instruction. And regular normal construction Everyone just shows up and does what their job with sometimes uh, questions about do you want this way or that way but in this case every we have to tell everyone exactly what I want them to do uh, so that's how how that works yeah I mean it's a very congenial uh, friendly atmosphere but it is a little looser than uh, you might expect. Assuming we don't get a
0: blizzard how long does the normal process take to go from the initial clearing of the lot to the time the new owners get the keys to the house.
2: I usually count from, uh, I, personally I count from the time the, the foundations in uh, until the the completion time that we get the certificate of occupancy which is uh, probably 15 months something like that. Uh, I was hopeful for the last one to go a little quicker and it did but not as uh, quickly as I would hope. It seemed like you're almost done but then later you're also almost done so it, it's kind of a moving target.
0: Is the way it works in construction and parallel with Habitat for Humanity that you try to get some of the framing work done before winter so you can continue to do work inside the house when it's mighty cold outside.
2: Exactly. You try to get the, uh, ideally, you have the roof on and the windows and doors in so that you can heat up minimum. We have radiant propane heaters that it doesn't heat the whole house, but at least it's a place to go and get your hands warm and drink coffee or whatever but uh, so it does that is an issue
0: and Peter used that phrase about handing over the keys to the new occupants the new owners of the home What's that process like? Is there like a ceremonial thing? Is there ribbon cutting? What would, I mean, that's a big deal. He just said 15 months. So you've done all this work, the sweat equity for the future owners and stuff, and now they get the key. What happens when they get the key?
1: That, it's, we just had the dedication of the most recent house just a few weeks ago uh the the most recent homeowners were able to move in right before Christmas so that's i mean ideal and what happens is we bring folks we make it an open invitation to the people who have worked on the house and the family and their family members and if they have any um members of a church that they belong to and so it's the dedication is is a kind of it, like you said it's the culmination of all of that hard work too and Yep. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Well, I was going to say, like any other new house, even after someone moves in, there are a few questions. I've been down there a couple times already. You know, this doesn't. How does this work? Or there's a problem here. And I so, you know, it takes a while. I remember reading about uh, uh, the house by the apple. Well, anyway the house by, uh, called House by Tracy Kidder, he said, you never finish, it's just a place you keep going back to less and less often. And that's, uh, that's the case.
0: How many volunteers, on average, even people who show up once or twice, not every day, Get involved in the construction of a typical house. Are we talked in ten, and we talked in a <laughs> hundred. What's the What's the math on that?
2: I'd say it's closer to a hundred. Yeah, uh, you know, over of the course of the if you count every person who's been there and touched it, it's, it's over hundred. I, I would guess that's the and case. And
0: some are there quite often, and some exactly. just exactly. Some in a while. people
2: I I see ten to three times a year, and and uh, and that's our really our core group, the people that really are kind of the skeleton of the the construction process. uh...
0: And Peter, I would assume that all those volunteers, whether it's 50 or 100, whatever the case is, not all of them, but quite a few of them do make an appearance at that key presentation ceremony. In other words, they've spent all this time on it. They're there for the culmination of this project.
1: Yeah, I would say the dedication we had this time around, there were probably a good 20 or 25 of the volunteers. We had students from the universities, we had our regular crew that Bill's referred to often, those those 10 or so folks who were there very regularly. And yeah, it's an opportunity for them to to really see the endpoint where we literally hand the homeowner the key to. So it's a a really fun uh, event where the, the family gets to express their appreciation to all the people who've helped, and we get to express our appreciation to them for partnering with us, too.
0: Now, Peter, do you have a specialty when it comes to uh, wearing the tool belt and, you know, <laughs> building houses?
1: I have to sadly admit, I think I was <laughs> at this house maybe twice the whole time. Once. Ter- no, one. I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's keeping taking attendance. Uh,
1: no, and so I am. I, I'm a person who's got just enough knowledge to be dangerous. You know, to think I know what I'm doing, just enough to get far enough to realize I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Uh, Bill, you could add to that. What, what 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 does he do well besides run the organization? As well, president? That, that's his
2: main job. Is right. <laughs> I don't. I don't expect him to. I mean, thrilled when I do see him on the job, but it's not. I don't consider that. I, I'm not uh, offended if I don't see him for.
1: I'll get sent to the runs <laughs> to the hardware store to, time the to the missing supplies. Or, or it's time for yeah. coffee, Peter.
0: Uh, what do you <laughs> But you need people like that. Absolutely, need... yeah, yeah. It's a
2: very. I mean, sometimes I go for coffee. <laughs> well, that's not what I meant. I know, but... <laughs> I, mean, you,
0: I mean, you need the pencil pushers, you need the administrative yes, types absolutely. to make the thing work, and yeah, yeah the coffee's a bonus.
2: <laughs> yep. No, that's, that's necessity. It's not a bonus.
0: <laughs> Bill, you indicated that it takes about 15 months to do a habitat, to complete a Habitat for Humanity home what's the procedure for a home of that size that's not habitat you've been involved in building if you're going to build a house of that size normally it wouldn't take 15 months would
2: it no well no when course, we only work typically we only work Saturdays I mean so that you know six or seven hours and probably closer to six hours on Saturdays so it, Standard construction, construction, there's people there five days a week, sometimes weekends, so it goes along. But the fact that we work one day a week really. I mean there are things that go on during the week occasionally but uh, by and large it's uh one day a week
0: Yeah, much like me yeah. and so
2: and we're
1: we're, <laughs> we're actually becoming much more of almost of a unicorn in the habitat world in terms of we're a volunteer run organization and there's very few of those left in habitat most of the the habitat organizations have merged to become bigger ones and so their operations like uh, in Hartford and Bridgeport and other larger cities where they build multiple homes a year and they've got a regular construction crew and they'll build um, multiple days a week also too.
2: Yeah, lots of paid staff also.
1: Right, and so for instance last year I took our our uh, student group down to Charlotte for our <coughs> spring break trip and in Charlotte they build a hundred houses a year and so it's a completely different operation.
0: They have more people?
1: Yeah, yeah. they have uh, have a full-time staff of dozens of folks, but they also have AmeriCorps students who come and actually end up being the supervisors for the student crews that come in too, and they had, I think, 25 AmeriCorps people there too. So, yeah, just a different animal altogether.
0: You had said some of the volunteers are students at Eastern and Yukon, and I know dating back to the days of President David Carter, God rest his soul, that he started this program of kind of requiring ECSU students to do community service. Is Habitat for Humanity, is helping build a house, is that part of the Eastern Community Service requirement now?
1: Yeah, at, at at Eastern, there's the Center for Community Engagement that uh, coordinates all of the volunteer work. We actually more directly coordinate the volunteers who work with Habitat because we have a Habitat chapter at the university. But occasionally, yeah, there'll be students who will go to the Center for Community Engagement, and then they get in touch with us, and then we kind of help bring them in to,
0: to help out, too. And when it comes to something like Yukon students helping with habitat, do you provide transportation? Some of them don't have transportation. I know back in the dark ages when I was there, I wouldn't have been able to get down here. So how do you get their bodies here on a Saturday morning?
1: They coordinate all that. They make it happen. And so there are enough students who would have a car or they'll use a university van or something like that. So they they kind of they take care of it. They're self-sufficient in that regard.
0: Who pays the property taxes for that property while the house is being built? I assume the eventual owners that move in are responsible later on, but before they get the key, who pays the taxes?
1: I know that's one. Of the, sometimes we get property donated to us, and we have it on hand for a year or two while we're waiting for construction to start. And so, yeah, we'll end up paying the the property taxes until the homeowner moves in, and then once they're in. They pay They pay taxes, they pay their insurance, they have a regular mortgage like a typical homeowner. The only difference is they don't pay interest.
0: Another reason why Habitat for Humanity would love to have your donation, you can get information at org. So you have these Saturday work sessions from about 8.30 until 2 o'clock or so. Tell me how that works, Bill, including you take attendance when people get there.
2: <laughs> well, we, we do <laughs> ask people to sign in. Uh which is a waiver of uh insurance to, if someone gets hurt then their insurance takes uh is enforced uh first and then if they don't have insurance then we have insurance that so takes care of people. Uh gratefully we haven't had any uh injuries in several yeah, years. It's so. a
0: construction site. Yeah, people exactly, sure. But
2: I mean not that there have been <laughs> a few scrapes and such, but are they
0: all wearing hard hats?
2: Oh of course, yes. Uh <laughs> No, not really. We do have hard ass on occasion uh that is an appropriate uh item of attire, but uh generally it's not i can't i don't i don't wear one so
0: oh well, you don't wear one okay <laughs> now when they do sign in, then you give them a brief description of the work for the day, so you give them an idea of what their plan is for the day. I like that, so they know what, the, what they're doing.
2: Well, they don't know what they're doing. They're all all. <laughs> <limited. laughs> I mean, I don't know. It starts out by saying, okay, can you do this and can you two do that? And uh, Like most tasks, like if we're installing windows, I try to break it up and in the first pair I say, okay, you're going to take all these windows and set them by the opening where they go. And the second team, you check the opening to make sure it's okay. 13, you go take unpackage every, you know, so you break it into 10 steps so that you don't have to teach anyone the whole process. All you got to teach them is one step in the process. and they. Uh,
0: so you as the construction supervisor, are you pretty much making the rounds all day long, keeping yeah, an eye on this, this, I, this? Yeah, this, this, I this and try this. to
2: say, hey, what are you doing there, you know, and or <laughs> why is this over here? <laughs> Yeah, I try to keep my eye on what's going on.
0: With the president, Peter Bakiaki, and also Bill Briggs, the construction supervisor for the great projects that they do. And they use lots of volunteers as well, from 16 to 70 plus. Although I hear there's a volunteer with Habitat for Humanity who's well beyond that age. Guys, tell me about the role Jimmy Carter has played, James Earl Carter, yes, the president, has played in Habitat for Humanity.
1: Yeah, he was good friends of the original founders of Habitat. Habitat uh, started in in Georgia, and so in america's Georgia, which is ten minutes down the road from Plains, and so Jimmy and Rosalind knew the the Fullers, who were the the original founders, and got involved early on. And his involvement early on put Habitat on the map. It was without his involvement they wouldn't have had the exposure that they've gotten and he every year has a Jimmy Carter work project where they will go to a community and in a, a week or two weeks put up 30 houses and he, he's done them around cities around the US but they've also gone internationally and he is at, at 93 or 94 still out there with the tool
0: belt on and swinging a hammer and still getting it done Even though he's a cancer survivor and all that. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of that. And I have to admit that not only is it inspiring to see a guy, not just of his age, but a former president getting out there and and working on houses like this in a volunteer capacity. What does that image do for your local organization? Does that almost like get people more excited about it, the fact that a president is involved in it too?
1: It it helps, yeah, it helps on a a number of different levels. One, it shows, it reinforces the idea that anybody can help too. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your ability or your your physical health. And so, but also it's just, yeah, you've got this person who really embodies just giving back. And when he really could just be retired and, and not doing anything and he still continues to give back to this organization that he's done so much for over the years
0: have you had 90 plus people working in your (laughs) chapter gosh over the (laughs) the
1: actually that's we we a couple of we've had board members who were in their eighties in okay. the past, so yeah, it's but um, but not on the on the not, site so much. No, not on the, no, not on the
0: site. <laughs> on. How about the minimum, Bill? Do you have a minimum age? Like I see sixteen to seventy plus, but is that is there a legal reason why you couldn't I, be fifteen I, and do this, I or would you have a fifteen year old if they wanted to volunteer?
2: There are restrictions at different ages. I, I don't recall. I unfortunately one is you have to be certain age to use power tools, and I think you're only and. Uh, Unless you're with a parent, you need to be 16. Is that correct, Peter?
1: Right, yep. Yeah, it can be as young as 14, but you'd have to be accompanied by a parent, and you're really limited in terms of what you can do. And then 16, and usually at, when you're 18, you can then use power tools because you're a legal adult.
0: What's the geographic range of homes that your chapter builds? It's not just Wyndham, is it?
1: It's where the Wyndham area, we've done all of our construction in, the, in Willimantic simply because of access to services like uh, sewage and, and water, but we've got a 12-town area that's uh, the towns that basically surround Willimantic and Wyndham.
0: All right, so tell me the process about property. How do you first get access to the property you build your homes on?
1: Yeah, fortunately, we've got folks who are on the lookout for us occasionally, too. So Brian McCarthy, for instance, at home selling team, uh, keeps an eye out for properties that might pop up that would be a good match for us. Sometimes there might be people who are um, interested in donating property, either as part of an estate settlement, or we'll get folks who want to uh Donate property, at a significant savings to us, too, and so for, for the tax benefits. And that's where we've gotten many of our most recent properties also.
0: Is it always undeveloped property, or might you have a case where a house had been on that property and got raised for whatever the case is, and you're starting over again to build up?
2: So far I th- it's been mostly o- open open lots but the, the one on, on Maple Avenue I think was right. um, that had to be uh, taken down and, and uh, so there was a previous house and but
1: yep so there's the, been a couple of spots where we've had to um, actually get rid of something that was there or and which the town also loves to see I and mean, we're taking a lot that was previously dangerous and blighted
0: and turning it into a productive home too. Bill, why do you do this? What's the charge for you in doing this?
2: <laughs> well, I say I do it because of the mission, by enjoy it because of the people, and that's uh, just a lot of harrowing things. One thing, we had one house on Hayden Street that was uh, we were in the finishing stages, kind of, and it was broken into, and someone stole <clears throat> a lot of our tools, like a thousand dollars worth of tools, and uh, the next or subsequently there was a story in the Chronicle. Uh, and I get home that night and a message from uh, Bob Gillard, uh, Willard, Willard's Lumber, saying, you know, whatever you need to keep going, let me know and we'll take care of you. And I didn't want to lean too hard on that because, you know, we all have to. But I did. I, I went down there and I, I got some cordless tools, which I desperately needed unfortunately, we got all the tools back, so now I, we have doubles the last time. We have two compressors and two of this and two of that. But anyway, but the point is that the community really came out for us that day and in that time.
0: And that also speaks to the business community in general. You identified some of those people earlier this morning, but it seems like they are a key player in making this whole thing work.
2: Oh, yeah. It's great to see them on the... I mean, they're very helpful, plus it's also great to see them involved in the...
0: Uh... I heard Rail Brouillard from the <laughs> Savings Institute actually gets out there with maybe the tool belt on and all that. He was a hands-on kind of guy, wasn't he?
2: That is correct. They, uh, one of the houses on Ives Street, he was... Uh, the group from uh, Savings Institute came, and I think uh, I mean, the one house particularly where he was there week after week uh, during the framing process, I think, and that was... Uh, Great. It was great working with him and his whole team there, so that was very satisfying.
0: Peter, I asked Bill what the charge is for him, what, what, what keeps him going in this, and what it is about habitat that he likes so much. And same question for you. Why is it that it floats your boat?
1: Uh, a few different reasons. Because I, I wear multiple habitat hats, too. So I'm a professor at Eastern's, and I also advise our student club there. And so I get to see... On multiple different levels, I see the students kind of starting with no skills at all and getting some real confidence to get up on a roof or to say you know be confident that they can maybe fix some things in their house or their apartments and but also, yeah, it's like when dedication time comes around, and you see the hand the the house being handed over to the family that it really all you know it's like the the blood sweat and tears in terms of fundraising and keeping things going all all pays off when you see that.
0: Is there any post-inspection process, meaning after you give the keys to the new owners, do you come back every year to make sure they're taking good care of the place, or is that their job and you guys move on to the next house?
1: A little bit of both, actually, in terms of really the house the house becomes theirs. But if we did, and our our homeowners have been phenomenal in terms of maintaining their homes and even fixing up their homes and adding stuff on, but uh, And we only we have one family that's kind of that's <coughs> tripped up on that part of the deal, and so we're trying to, to work with them, but of, our, of all our dozen homeowners, 11 out of 12 are just doing a great job maintaining their homes, and we don't even need to really worry about it.
0: There's several things that we wanted to get across with your visit here this morning, and number one is that uh, you can always make donations to help out the good cause of Wyndham Habitat for Humanity at windhamhabitat.org and the other thing would be information about how people can volunteer which we've talked about a fair amount today but also if there is a needy family and I gotta think with the way the economy has been with people getting laid off and so forth that maybe what you do now is more important than it might have been a decade or so before but more specifically what's the application process if someone listening right now says man, I could certainly be helped out by one of those homes that Habitat for Humanity builds. How do they start getting involved in the process?
1: Again, at our website, or they could call our office, and that's um, 423-7142. But at our website, there's also a link for info. And that goes directly to our secretary, who coordinates that and who would get back in touch with them, and walk them through what the application process
0: requires. Is there like a minimum income basis? There is. There's. A, there's several
1: different criteria that people need to meet. One of them is an income criterion where it has. They have to make a minimum amount, but they also can't make more than a certain amount either, because want to serve a a. a portion of the community that can would be able to afford a house with our help but we can't afford a house with the normal mortgage process and so it usually it, those numbers also vary depending on the size of the family so it I don't want to necessarily put out numbers that would would um, because if a you know a uh, family of two their income requirements are going to be very different than they would be for a family of four or six
0: Peter, do you have feel-good stories about this? For example, a family that was having hard times. Maybe the income earner got laid off. They get involved in Habitat for Humanity, which builds a house for them. They get involved in the sweat equity to build the house. They move in. And being able to get a house by that means gets them back on their feet again. And after the fact, they get back to you and they say, wow, you guys really helped change or save my life.
1: I mean, in terms of... Yeah, there are... The the stories that the feel good stories that we usually get from the families deal more with the kids than the, than the parents, and so many of the folks one of the one of the other requirements for in the application process is that you have to be living in substandard housing, and for many of the families who might have little kids. Wherever they're living now, their kids can't even play outside. And they talk about how after they moved in, the kids play out in the neighborhood. They've made friends in the neighborhood. And that alone just changes things completely for the family, too.
0: All right. There's a guy right now driving on Route 6. He's listening to us on the radio, and he says, You know what? I like this program. I want to volunteer. I want to get involved. What's involved in getting involved?
1: Once again, also at our website, there's a link for volunteers too. So, if they go to windhamhabitat.org and click on the volunteer link, that will bring up an email where they can send their mess their information to our volunteer coordinator, and then she'll get back in touch with them and let them know kind of what the status of projects are and what sorts of opportunities there are.
0: And Bill, you keep people updated on the progress they get involved in building the house and there's newsletters sent out to keep people involved in where the project stands tell
2: me more about that I, I try to send out a weekly update which is uh, I realize no one wants to read very much so I have heavily on the photos and and uh, kind of minimal uh, a few sentences to let us know. let them know where we are uh, and now I have so many people that I have to have two lists because uh, I can't send them out all at once. So that's—I uh, I don't want to intrude, and in, I'm always afraid I'm going to bother someone. By, but I'm sure everyone knows where the, uh, the delete button is, so <laughs> I'm not too much of a concern. But I do—I I try to be uh, cognizant of people's uh, sensitivities to that kind of thing. And. Uh,
0: I'm sure there's people that volunteered in the past who don't have time for
2: it now or they moved yes, on, but they absolutely. still
0: like to get those emails yep. and see what's going yep. on because they were invested in the program.
2: Sure. I, some people I haven't seen in years, but I still remember them very fondly, and I'm and I, and I, uh, very happy to share what's... Uh, I assume they want to have some idea what's going on with this.
0: So you're building homes Saturdays, 8.30 until about 2 o'clock or thereabouts. What's lunch hour like? <laughs>
2: Uh, Janice Guder uh, lives in Chaplin. She teaches Lyman. She's our lunchtime coordinator, and uh, so she sets up all the individual uh, people who bring lunch. Uh, one of our long, probably longstanding, is most longstanding providers, Edie Ritz, Maine, and who lived in Lebanon, now she lives in uh, East Lyme, I believe, and she still brings us lunch. Uh, once uh, every uh, six weeks or so, and she does a great job.
0: But as far as the social part okay. of it, it's like a stop and chat time.
2: <laughs> it is, it, absolutely. And I'm very, uh, you know, it's i uh, I'm never, I'm always happy with the lunches, whatever they are, it's time to sit down and talk with each other and eat lunch and uh, connect, and uh, that's a very valuable part of the day in, in my estimation.
0: the Area Habitat <clears throat> for Humanity doing great things for our community with the help of volunteers as well as we've talked this morning with the president of Habitat in our local area, Peter Bakiaki, and also Bill Briggs, the construction supervisor. Again, all the information, including about donations and applying to be a volunteer, applying to have a home built by Habitat for Humanity, is at wyndhamhabitat.org. Gentlemen, keep up the good work. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you.